Let's take our Bibles this morning, please, and turn to Acts chapter 15. Uh, Acts chapter 15. Of course, we, we finished this book last week, uh, this chapter, I should say. Uh, but I want to go back to the end of the chapter this morning and kind of set the, the context or remind us of the context. So uh, we've seen uh, Brother Ray, the first missionary journey. We've seen churches planted, uh, all the gospel preached, let's back up. Churches planted, Brother Garcia. Uh, churches visited again, some of them, to be um, edified, to be discipled, to be built up. Uh, and then Paul back making a report at his sending church, you remember that. Uh, and then we saw that dispute about whether or not the Gentiles should be circumcised for salvation. And we saw the, what they call the Jerusalem Council there in chapter 15. Uh, there was kind of a debate there, a discussion in Jerusalem. And uh, Pastor James heard the input. He received the input from the various men that spoke. Remember, Peter spoke. He rose and spoke. And he, um, he also considered how Scripture applied to that decision. And he said, well... You know, my sentence, my, my decision is that no, circumcision, uh, keeping the law is certainly not uh, required for salvation. He went on and encouraged them in other areas where they uh, should take care to obey the word of God. But he said, no, certainly not. Uh, there's, there's no aspect of keeping the law or circumcision included that would uh, be required for salvation. And then uh, you recall James in the church there gave Paul a letter and that was carried back to his uh, his sending church. Where was that, Zach? Where, where, were, where were believers first called Christians? Where was Paul sent out of? Antioch. Okay, good. Uh, and so they're there at Antioch now. And um, look at uh, chapter 15, verse 36. Uh, after some days, uh, let me try that again. After some days after, Paul said, Under Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and, and see how they do. So they had a, a loving desire to, to go and uh, check in with the brethren in the newly established churches. And Rich, of course, they knew that there was a call uh, upon them to go and, and disciple and build up as they already have. Uh, but to continue doing that. Then you saw this contention here in verse 37. Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought not good to take uh, him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia uh, and went not with them to the work. So uh, John Mark apparently had dropped out when, when the going got tough. Uh, John Mark got out, evidently. Uh, and Paul said, listen, this, this man's not reliable. I don't really think he should be going with us. Now, we know later on John Mark was reconciled and, and went on to be used greatly of the Lord. Thankfully, we have the gospel of Mark. Uh, but there was this dispute at this time. In verse 39, the contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder one from another. Uh, Barnabas went one way with John Mark, and, and Paul went another way. So Barnabas took Mark, uh, he's a relative, uh, and sailed unto Cyprus. And of course, you recall Cyprus, if you picture the map of, of Israel and uh, off to the left would be the Mediterranean, and then kind of out in the Mediterranean would be the island of Cyprus, uh, Roman province there. Um, Barnabas took Mark and sailed. Uh, you, you could only sail, Rich, uh, according to Cyprus. Verse 40 says, Paul chose Silas uh, and departed, being recommended by the brethren uh, unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria uh, and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, you know where Syria is, basically the same place it is today, right? It's that land uh, to the north of Israel. Uh, at the time, it was a Roman province to the north. And uh, so they traveled up north into the Roman province of Syria. 
Um, and then they traveled uh, kind of north and west to Cilicia. So uh, Cilicia would be kind of at the northeast corner uh, of the Mediterranean. You could travel up through Syria and then kind of make a left on the map and, uh, and travel into the, the province of Cilicia. Uh, more important than the map, Bible says here in verse 41, they went confirming the churches. They went building up the churches. They had, a, they had an interest in seeing people not just be saved, Brother Garcia, but growing in their knowledge of the Lord and his words and uh, growing in their faith and uh, they, were, they, they went to further support, to disciple, to strengthen the believers uh, in those new churches. So that's, that's where we are uh, at this point. The second missionary journey uh, has started. This is the work to which God has called Paul uh, and Barnabas and, and evidently Silas uh, as well. Now, verse six, uh, sorry, chapter 16, verse 1 now. Uh, then came he, this be Paul, evidently with Silas, uh, came he to Derby and Lystra, we've seen these places before, uh, and behold, a certain disciple was there named who? Who is it? Timotheus. So this is, this is Mr. Timothy, right? Uh, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, uh, and believed, but his father was Greek. So uh, Timothy had sort of a, a mixed background. His mom was Jewish, his dad was Greek uh, or, or Gentile, and uh, sort of Greek would be the word that's used for Gentile. Ernie, good to have you back this morning, sir. Nice to have you with us. Uh, Greek would, the, the word Greek would be used, be, it seems to be kind of a, a leftover, a hangover, if you will, from the influence of the Greek Empire, uh, which came just before the Roman Empire. So, you know, if you weren't a, a, a Jewish person, you were considered Greek, which was kind of the word that was uh, used to refer to Gentiles. And again, the influence of the Greek Empire on the language. By the way, Zach, the, the New Testament is written in which language? Greek, right? So that's, I mean, the fact that the scripture, New Testament scripture was inscripturated in, in Greek, well, that reflects the sort of the ongoing influence of, of the Greek culture as well. So it's just kind of interesting to know and to understand that. Since it's Sunday school, we could take a minute on that, right? Uh, verse 2 says, Timothy had a, he had a good reputation, which uh, Timothy, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So they, these churches know him and his faith, and he had uh, established a good reputation with them. Now, uh, the next verse is, is kind of interesting. Uh, let's read it and make some comments on it. Verse 3 says this, him, Timothy, would Paul uh, have to go forth with him? So uh, Paul said, listen, this is a man who would be a good addition to our ministry team. He has a good reputation. It would be great to have him uh, to continue on traveling and ministering with us. Uh, him would Paul have to go forth with him and took, what's the next word? Circumcised him uh, because of the Jews which were in those quarters for they all knew that his, his father was a Greek. So it's very interesting, Sister Effie. We've, we've just seen uh, the Jerusalem Council, right, where, where this dispute about circumcision uh, was resolved. And, you know, we're just verses away from uh, Pastor James' verdict, and yet here we find Paul choosing uh, or deciding that, that Timothy should be circumcised. Rich, was it, was it for his salvation? Doesn't seem to be for his salvation. It seems like he's already saved. Uh, he's heard the gospel, evidently. He has a good reputation with the churches. It would seem that uh, pretty clearly he's already saved. Uh, but we also understand that he has a Jewish mother uh, and a Gentile father. 
And uh, it would seem to be the case, it would seem to be the case that Paul was concerned that Timothy's lack of circumcision, Zach is a man who was at least partially Jewish. Now it's very interesting, today, if your mom is Jewish, Brother Ray, you back me up on this, if your mom is Jewish, you're considered to be Jewish, right? Regardless of, of, of dad. <laughs> so uh, I believe that that would still be the case today, at least in most Jewish circles. And so. Uh, Jewish people would look upon Timothy as being Jewish for that reason. His mom uh, is Jewish. And so it would seem to be the case that Paul was concerned if Jewish people looked upon Timothy as a Jewish man who was uncircumcised, they would, they would view him as a man who wasn't godly, uh, who, who had not been a man of God's words. And it would, I think the idea here is that they were concerned that that would be a stumbling block with Jews, Jewish men, whom they were trying to reach with the gospel. And they, it, it would seem to be the case that uh, they, they said, listen, let's just not let that be an issue. Let's just get you circumcised. Uh, that way, if anyone, anyone has any knowledge of, of whether or not you are, that's not going to be an issue. Uh, they, they won't not hear us because they'll view you as someone who has not been faithful uh, to your faith uh, up to this point. So that would seem to be the idea. They, they want to take care that they're not uh, going uh, to lost Jewish people with anything that would prevent them from being willing to listen, or at least anything that was in their control. I was looking at Dr. Sorensen's notes uh, on this verse, and he said, um, if, if you look in Galatians, you don't have to go there, but I'll, I'll just kind of remind you of this. In Galatians uh, chapter 2, um, Paul specifically notes that Titus uh, was not, was not uh, circumcised, uh, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. He, he wasn't compelled to be circumcised because he had two Gentile parents. And so there'd be no issue of being a stumbling block there. He wasn't Jewish. No one would view him as Jewish. Uh, and, and this would seem to be the idea. Um, Zach, I think there's a principle here that we could kind of take out today and say, listen, when you go to lost people, uh, we ought to think about what, what might be a stumbling block, what in my life might be a stumbling block to them. And of course, we're not going to take up some practice that would be uh, against the word of God or offensive to God. We, we would take care not to violate biblical standards of living uh, in any way, but I think it's based on a, a principle that we could mine out here. It'd be good to consider, is there something in my life that might be a stumbling block uh, to lost people, something that would discourage them uh, from hearing the word of God? And, uh, and Sister Effie, maybe it's as simple as, hey, if, if lost people see me living like everyone else, I need to take care to get that cleaned up, right? Um, uh, if, if lost people see me living like lost, a lost person, maybe they're, they're just not going to be interested. And so, um, yeah, I want to take care. So, Lord, Lord, search me, search my heart, search my life. If there's something in my life, my heart, my behavior, my relationship with you, that's going to be a stumbling block to lost people, something that would discourage them from hearing the gospel from me, Lord, show me that. Convict me about that. Give me grace to get that, to get that straightened out before I go. So that's, I think that's a good and reasonable application for today. Um, as they travel, they go uh, now preaching, sharing the message of, of the Jerusalem Council, verse 4. As they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders 
which were at Jerusalem. Now, Zach, that letter that came from Jerusalem doesn't seem to be fully inscripturated. We know we have chunks or pieces parts, right, that, that um, uh, I'll get it, Luke has inscripturated, uh, but the full letter isn't. But uh, nonetheless, they went uh, with this letter from the churches sort of teaching uh, what, what, uh, what had happened there and, and what the decision had been. And of course, that would be applications of the word of God that were in that letter. So verse five, and so were the churches established. They were strengthened. They, the word uh, established there doesn't have the idea of, of planted or started. The, the word underlying established here has more the idea of made strong. They were strengthened. Uh, the churches were strengthened as Paul and Silas went uh, encouraging them and uh, sharing uh, what, what had been uh, determined, not really decided, but more determined uh, back in Jerusalem. Uh, the churches were established or made strong in the faith, uh, and then uh, nice uh, encouraging language here, and increased in number uh, daily. It seems to be the case as the churches received teaching uh, from Paul and, and Silas, they were made strong, uh, and having been made strong, they, yes, they were strengthened in their own walk with the Lord, but evidently, uh, as their own walk with the Lord was strengthened, they, uh, they were convicted and empowered and strengthened to go out and share the gospel with other people. And uh, as a result, the churches increased in number daily. People were being saved. They received the word of God. They, they didn't reject it. They allowed the Lord to apply it to their hearts. They were built up, edified, and strengthened. Uh, and in that strength, they went out and shared the gospel, uh, and God blessed their efforts. That's exciting. That's, that's certainly a model for us. Um, you know, we're, we're teaching and preaching a lot as we go through the book of Acts and through the book of uh, the gospel of Matthew. Uh, you can't help but notice the, the emphasis on reaching people with the gospel and uh, all the things that we can observe in Acts and all the things that that Christ has said and done, uh, particularly uh, in, in the last couple of messages that we've been looking at, it's about going out and the Lord's provision for us to make it possible uh, to go out and do that, to share the gospel. Look at verse six. Uh, now, when they had gone through Phrygia, uh, Phrygia, uh, this is sort of an ill-defined area. It's um, sort of northwest um, of Galatia. It's not really well-defined. Um, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, uh, that would be due north of the island of Cyprus, Galatia, uh, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now remember, Asia would be to the west of Galatia, this modern-day Turkey, um, the, the western border of Asia would be the Aegean Sea and then modern Greece just to the west of that. Uh, Paul and, and, and Silas are sort of traveling uh, west now, kind of north and west. Uh, ultimately, they're going to go across the Mediterranean, not the Mediterranean, but the Aegean Sea up into Macedonia. Again, that would be kind of the general area of um, the, the region of, of Greece. You can think about it that way on the map. Uh, so there's a little bit of geography there, but more importantly, Rich, we see here in verse 6, uh, they, they seemed to have a certain direction that they were heading in, a certain desire or a plan, but they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost uh, to, to preach in Asia. Uh, the Lord had them not to stop there and to preach, but to keep going. 
Uh, we'll see here shortly the, the man of Macedonia who has a vision and uh, Paul understands that uh, they're there to travel across the Aegean Sea and to go up into the province of Macedonia, uh, preach gospel there, people will be saved. So uh, we'll see that here. See verse 7, after they were come, let me back up a half a step. Ernie, if the Lord says don't go there, we do well to not go there, right? <laughs> if, uh, if we have a sense that the Lord would have us to go in a certain direction, share the gospel, we do that. I always pray about when we go out on Sundays, where should we go? Uh, who should go where? Um, and, you know, we have our map and we have our plans, but always try to pray and say, Lord, guide me, direct me. And when we go out, Brother Ray, we, we pray, Lord, guide us and direct us to the people that you would have us speak to. And uh, we try to be uh, led of the Spirit in that. Uh, if our heart is to be led of the Spirit, the Spirit tends to lead. If our heart is to kind of do our own thing, regardless of the leading of the Spirit, we tend not to sense, or sometimes at least tend not to sense, uh, the leading of the Spirit. Paul, no doubt, went completely yielded uh, and was blessed with the guidance, the prodding, the poking of the Spirit of God, who said, no, nope, uh, don't go preach in Asia. Someone else will take care of that. Uh, you need to just keep moving on. Uh, and so they did. Verse 7, after they were come to Mysia, this would be part of Asia. So they kind of have to travel through Asia to get where the Lord would have them to be. Uh, they essayed to go to Bithynia, uh, but the Spirit suffered them not. Nope, don't, don't go there either. Don't go there either. Verse 8, and they passing by Mysia uh, came down to Troas. This would be uh, in the northwest part of the province of of Asia. And again, they're, they're kind of making their way across that area, not preaching because God, God will not have them to stop and do that here. Uh, they're just traveling through Asia, west toward the Aegean Sea. They're going to cross over uh, to Macedonia. Uh, verse 9, here we go. This is uh, now the Lord's plan for them coming into view. Uh, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Uh, I think I said before incorrectly that the, the man of Macedonia had this vision. No, it's Paul's vision. Uh, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia. So you picture Paul, kind of Paul and, and Silas, all the way west in Asia, kind of up against the Aegean Sea. Just across the Aegean Sea is the Roman province of, of Macedonia. Paul has this vision that there's a man over there across the Aegean uh, who, who wants them to come over uh, and, and be a help, come, come and help us. Evidently, uh, this is the Holy Spirit guiding them over to share the gospel there, uh, to push their church planting effort uh, west of Asia uh, across the Aegean. And this, uh, if they're going to go there, this would be the first recorded instance of the gospel pressing in now uh, into Europe. And so this is exciting. Gospel has moved up through uh, north up through uh, Israel and, and, and north of, of there into Syria and west across Galatia uh, and into Asia. And, uh, and now, excitingly, uh, wonderfully, the gospel is going to move. If Paul will go, uh, if he'll go according to this vision, uh, the gospel will now move into Asia. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, Come over into Macedonia uh, and help us. Come, come and help us. Uh, verse 10, after he had seen the vision, what's the next word, church? What's the next word in verse 10? After he had seen the vision, what's the next word? 
immediately, no hesitation. Uh, Paul is just so yielded. He, he knew the Holy Spirit would not have them to preach at this time in Asia. Uh, and so they kept moving. Uh, Paul understands that the Holy Spirit now is calling them across the Aegean to Macedonia. Uh, and he, why hesitate? Why, why wait? That wouldn't make sense. They're out there uh, for the Lord, uh, working and, and ministering for the Lord at, at his direction. It wouldn't make any sense at all to wait uh, if they feel that God would have them to go now. And so immediately, uh, after he had uh, seen this vision, uh, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. By the way, I, I think this might be the first case where it's we. Zach, do you see that? Uh, I, I just realized that now, actually. After he had seen uh, the vision, uh, immediately. So there was an urgency to follow the Lord's leading uh, and, and go. Praise God. Lord, give us the same urgency. Help us to be that yielded uh, when you're burdening us to share the gospel with some person or in some place. Help us to just immediately go. Zach, why would it be we? Why would it be? Why isn't it Paul or, or he? Why is it we? Do you have any thoughts on that? Luke is writing. Yeah, doc, Dr. Luke is writing the book of Acts, right? Uh, and so it would seem to be uh, a suggestion uh, that, that Luke has joined them. We haven't necessarily seen that described, but uh, his, his pronoun changes here, and uh, this is a hint at that as well. So yeah, that's interesting, uh, worth noting. After he'd seen the vision, immediately Luke, who is writing, says, we uh, endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Yeah, that's their purpose. That's what they're sent to do. Uh, and the Lord is uh, directing them as they're yielded. Uh, I think I've said before, and I, certainly I've said this many times before, a lot of times we struggle to know the Lord's leading. And I think the reason typically is that we're not really yielded. Lord, help us to be yielded to you. Lord, help us to be yielded to you uh, and to know your leading. Uh, verse 11 says, Therefore, loosing from Troas, there in the northwest corner of Asia, uh, just to the east of the Aegean, uh, loosing, the underlying word is a nautical term. It means to put to sea or, or the loosing or mooring of a ship. Uh, they're, they're loosing a ship from the docks there uh, in Troas. Therefore, loosing from Troas, so they, immediately they're going to go. They got, they got a boat they're going to loose from Troas. Uh, Luke writes, we, we came with a straight course to Samothrace. Yeah, I have this down, Samothracia, uh, and the next day to Neapolis. Samothracia is an island in the Aegean. Uh, Paul sailed, so uh, evidently they, they were able to sail uh, halfway across. I think later on when they come back, they, they go all the way across all at once, I think. But, but here they go partway across to this island in the Aegean, Samothracia. Um, and then the next day, it seems, they go to Neapolis, now, Neapolis is sort of that port city um, on Macedonia. Um, who, can you think of any other towns or cities that we know well that are in Macedonia? Um, it's, it's, we're gonna see Philippi here, not, not too far down the road. So Philippi is there. Uh, Neapolis, it literally means um, new city. 
neopolis. We have a word political, right? And it, uh, politics or, or the place of politics, a city. Ne- uh, ne- Neapolis literally means a uh, new city. And um, it was, I think, I don't have it in my notes, but I, I think I read, I didn't know this, that it was, it was founded by the father of Alexander the Great. Uh, I don't know all the history about that, but that, that's, you know, the Greek influence once again in that, in that throughout the entire uh, known world at, at that time. Uh, but Neapolis would be the port city, and just about 10 miles in from Neapolis is where Philippi is. So across the, across the Aegean from the west coast of Asia, uh, they stop at Samothracia. They, they land from there at Neapolis, and then just about 10 miles in uh, would be Philippi. Um, it's called Philippi in verse 12, uh, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, uh, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now, it's interesting, Philippi is called the chief city. It certainly would not have been the largest city, so it, it's not chief in the sense of its size, but probably chief in the sense of its political influence. It, it seems to be sort of a governmental center or political center, uh, for may, maybe in the sense of a capital, sort of like a capital of Macedonia. Not the largest, but probably the place within the Roman province of Macedonia that was most influential uh, politically. Zach, that made it a very strategic place for the Lord to send Paul uh, and Silas. If, if you could get the gospel into, um, I'll get it, Philippi, uh, there was potential there to influence governmental leaders and people who had a lot of influence who might be used of God to share the gospel. And so uh, there's, there's uh, probably a, a biblical principle there too. Uh, our outreach should not exclude governmental officials, certainly. Uh, these are influential people. I understand their governmental influence is secular, but they have influence. They have access to a lot of people, a lot of influence, uh, and they could be used greatly of the Lord to share the gospel. And so I think it'd be good for us to think about how can we appropriately, wisely conduct more outreach to governmental leaders here at the local level, but maybe at the state level uh, as well. Good to think about, good to pray about. And if anyone has thoughts about that, or would like to kind of take that on as a ministry, please let me know. I think, again, we have biblical um, mandate to reach everyone, but uh, I think a principle here as well. Um, let's move on. So they abide there certain days. Uh, verse 13, on the Sabbath, this will be Saturday, and Brother Ray, it hasn't changed, right? The Sabbath is still Saturday. Uh, he says, we, again, Luke is writing, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women uh, which resorted thither. Now this is interesting. Um, If, uh, history says at least, if in a certain place there were 10 or more Jewish people, brother Ray, a synagogue would be formed. But if there were fewer than that, typically there there wouldn't be a a synagogue formally formed, formally formed, Uh, but, Uh, People, Jewish people would still meet on the Sabbath and and they would pray. And and you remember one of the things that Jewish people practiced uh, in the first century and and before and and after as well, uh, were were these sort of ritual ceremonial washings that uh, pictured the ceremonial cleanliness that came with certain practices. So uh, that is probably the reason why 
they are by a riverside. They, they meet there by the riverside. Probably not just because that was a nice picturesque place to meet, but uh, probably because it was a place where these ceremonial uh, washings or cleansings uh, could be made. In any event, there's Jewish people there. And, you know, it's Paul's practice to go to them first, right? We see that many times. He would go into a town, if there were Jewish people there, he would go and find them, and he would, he would preach the gospel to them. And verse 14 is where we meet Lydia. You remember her, the seller of purple. Uh, verse 14, a certain woman uh, named Lydia, uh, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, uh, which worshiped God, heard us. Now, that's interesting. That phrase, worshiped God, seems to be used, Brother Ray, not, uh, it seems to be used to imply someone wasn't ethnically Jewish or born Jewish, but was more of a proselyte, right? So Lydia is, she, she's, inter- she's probably a Gentile, um, but she's interested in God, and she's meeting there with the, the Jewish people who are meeting on the Sabbath because she's interested. She, uh, she wants to learn. Uh, it, this implies that she has a heart to find the Lord. She's probably searching for truth. Maybe she's a little bit further down the road into Judaism. Uh, I can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. But we do know she was there. Uh, she was there evidencing an interest in the Lord. Uh, people who have an interest in the Lord, they, they, they come to church today, right? They, they come to Sunday school and they come to 11 o'clock. They come to, on Sunday night. They come Wednesday night. There's an interest. Uh, there's an interest in the things of God and in the presence of God and the people of God. And, and so people come. Well, Lydia came. Uh, the Bible says um, she heard us. Uh, and the Bible says, her, uh, whose heart, uh, what are the next three words? Would you, can we read them together, please? H- whose heart the Lord opened. So as they preached, they just gave forth the, the truth. As, the, as they preached, the Lord opened her heart to the truth, uh, that or so that she attended other things which were spoken of Paul. Rich, that's, that phrase is, is wonderfully encouraging uh, to me, because it reminds me that my job is simply to give forth the truth. Use God's words, give forth the truth. It's the Lord who will open heart and convict someone and give them faith to place right back upon Christ. I can't do that part. I can pray, and I should pray that God will do that part, but that's not the part I can do. Our, our part is simply to give forth the words. Go and give forth the truth. Uh, and let God uh, open the heart. Uh, Lydia was in the right place for someone who was interested in things of God. Uh, she was there at the right time. Paul brought the Paul uh, and Silas and Luke, evidently, probably others as well, uh, came preaching, and the Lord opened her heart. Uh, seems to be that she's been saved. Uh, and if there's any question about that, you can just keep going because verse 15 refers to her salvation. So she heard the gospel, God opened her heart. I, I meant to say her baptism. I think I said salvation. Verse 15 refers to her baptism. Uh, she heard the gospel, the Lord opened her heart. Evidently she was saved because she's baptized in verse 15. That's the biblical order, right, Zach? You, you hear the gospel, you get saved, then you get baptized. Uh, when she was baptized, verse 15, and her household, evidently her household was baptized. And this is one of those places where people say, oh, look, that, that's infant baptism. 
uh, Lydia got saved, and so she got baptized, and she, she sprinkled her babies. Well, I don't know that she had any babies, but uh, I do know that she heard the gospel, and then she was baptized. And Zach, if her household was baptized, it would imply that they heard the gospel as well. Maybe from Lydia. Maybe she was so excited to have been saved uh, that she ran home and told her family, hey, you know, I've been searching for truth and I've been worshiping the Lord, but now I understand that, that faith in Christ is required to do that. And uh, I placed my faith in him and I've been baptized and you need to do the same. Well, that's certainly implied. Uh, when we get a little bit further down the road here to the Philippian jailer, uh, that's, that's, it's very evident that his family heard the gospel also, and then they were baptized. So uh, there's no, um, really there's, there's no room here for, um, biblically speaking, comparing scripture to scripture, there's, there's no room for infant baptism or baptism for salvation or anything like that. Verse 15, when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, if ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house uh, and abide there, and she constrained us. Isn't that wonderful? Janet, she's been saved, she's been baptized. Evidently, she made sure that her family heard the gospel, uh, that they were saved, they got baptized, and then her heart is to serve Brother Garcia. She's, uh, I don't know if she has this supernatural gift uh, to, to, to serve or, or hospitality or what have you, but I do know that having been saved, there's an immediate interest in ministering not just the gospel to the lost, but ministering comfort to the saved. Uh, there's wonderful hospitality here. That's, that's what we're called to, right? Get saved, get baptized, uh, begin serving. Get saved, get baptized, begin serving. She didn't wait. She opened her house uh, to those who had ministered to her, uh, and she constrained them to come in and abide for a time. She, uh, she served. She got busy serving however she could, and at that point in time, that's, that's how she could serve. Share the gospel with the lost, uh, serve, comfort, be a help to the saved, and she does that. Praise God. Lord, help us to do the same. Well, um, in verse 16, we have the first part of this account where uh, Paul and company encounter uh, what, what is or who is evidently a demon-possessed girl who is being exploited by, uh, Bible calls here, her masters. They probably own her as a slave. Uh, she evidently is demon-possessed, and Rich is going about soothsaying uh, prophesying or telling fortunes probably is the idea um, and uh, her masters are evidently charging for that service um, and Paul and company come and they find this this young lady uh, see this verse 16 it came to pass as we went to prayer uh, they were men of prayer a certain damsel young woman possessed with the spirit of divination met us so she's possessed that's the thing right lost people can be possessed uh, by demon. We've, we've seen that before, many times, of course, in, in Scripture, uh, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Uh, the word underlying soothsaying is, uh, it's very closely related to the word that means prophesying. Uh, and so, again, it would seem to be the idea that she's, she's telling fortunes. This wickedness uh, we are to have nothing to do with practices like that, fortune-telling uh, and so forth. It's usually fake, but when it's not fake, it's demonic, and it's not for us. 
we understand that. We understand that. It's not for us. Um, it's interesting in, in verse 17 that this demon-possessed girl, she does speak for some truth. I suspect she's mocking Paul and company. Verse 17, the same followed Paul and us uh, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Uh, that's, that may well be the demon mocking uh, salvation. Of course, they have a great interest in mocking truth, making a mockery of truth and the, the genuine way of salvation. Uh, I don't think we can be sure that that's the case here, um, but I think it probably is the case. Demons have a great interest in mocking uh, and, and ultimately counterfeiting the truth. We'll talk more about that in another message, but that's probably what's happening here. Well, uh, I think Paul understands that. Paul, Paul can see that there, there, there seems to be some uh, clearly demon possession, perhaps some mockery, uh, and so he comes and casts the demon out in the name of Christ. Verse 18, she did this many days, but Paul being grieved, yeah, a, a demon-possessed person would be grievous. Uh, soothsaying, fortune-telling, uh, all the things that go along with that, astrology and tarot cards and all that wickedness should be grievous uh, to save people. Paul, being grieved, uh, turned and said to the Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, but this demon, I command thee. Now, Paul has no power apart from Christ, uh, Brother Ray. He says, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, excuse me, to come out of her, uh, so he, he invokes uh, Christ, the power of Christ in his name. Uh, and the Bible says in the next sentence, and he came out the same hour. Demon came out uh, the same hour. Evidently, that demon recognized the authority of Christ uh, and the name, the authority of Christ's name. And said, okay, I better, I better skadoodle, better get out of here. Uh, and he did. Well, well praise God, as part of Paul's ministry, uh, to cast demons out of the possessed. And, um, well, he, he encountered some trouble, Rich. Remember this. Uh, the girl who was possessed and telling fortunes uh, for uh, income for her quote-unquote masters, clearly they were exploiting her. Uh, now Paul's going to have a problem with her quote-unquote masters because he's cast out the devil that's telling the fortunes. Verse 19, when her masters saw that the hope of their gain was gone and caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. They basically arrested them and, and brought them to uh, the rulers uh, of the town and, and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. Uh, this was not a, a Jewish place. This was very much a Gentile place. Uh, Brother Ray is using Jews like a, a slur, right? These Jews, these men being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful uh, for us to receive, neither to observe being, being Romans. We're Romans. Well, they didn't know that Paul and, and Silas evidently were also. Uh, these guys, these, these Jewish men, these Jews are coming in and stirring up trouble and teaching things that aren't lawful for us Romans. Brother Ray, they're, they're just trying to create trouble for Paul and Silas and, and Luke and whoever else is with them. They're angry that their uh, fortune-telling business has been compromised here. Uh, and so they're trying to get Paul and Silas and company uh, thrown out. 
or at least arrested. And they, they succeed in getting them arrested, beaten, and jailed. Verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison uh, and made their feet fast in the stocks, locked them up good uh, deep in the prison so that they could not uh, they could not escape. If they were to escape, it would be supernatural. Amen. Zach, we saw last Sunday morning in Matthew that Jesus told the 12 when he sent them out that they should expect trouble, right? They should expect conflict. We'll see that again this morning in the next hour, trouble and difficulty. Um, and that was the case for Paul and Silas and Luke and company. They, they went exactly where the Lord sent them, and they did exactly what the Lord commanded them to do. And the result of that was exactly what God desired. People were saved, Lydia and others. Um, and they cast out demon, you know, exactly consistent with the Lord's desire for them, evidently. And yet, right on the heels of all of that obedience, they are arrested and beaten and jailed. The Lord warns that there will be difficulty uh, even in the face of uh, perfect or, or near perfect obedience. Um, but we go anyway, right? We talked about this last Sunday morning in the 11 o'clock hour. Paul surely knew there would be challenges and difficulties. I don't know if he, if he anticipated this degree of persecution, but surely uh, he knew there, there would be opposition uh, and, and this kind of difficulty. He faced opposition during the first missionary journey, and yet he kept going. Uh, no doubt he was not surprised to face this kind of opposition in the second missionary journey, and yet he'll keep going. Rich, how did he do that? Did he do that in his own strength? No, he did it in the Lord's strength as a man who has yielded the Spirit of God. He went forth in the strength of God. And of course, we can do the same. We can say, Lord, here I am. Take me, use me, um, fill me, fill me, uh, and go forward in his strength. Well, we can and we do, and, and we praise God for that. Zach, does, does the Lord, we'll stop, we need to stop here today, but um, you know the chapter, does the Lord have a purpose for allowing them to be jailed? Yes, he does. He has lots of purposes, but we know that one of the purposes is so that the jailer, the warden of the jail, the jailer uh, can hear the gospel and be saved and that his family can hear the gospel and be saved. Uh, and baptized, and you know, that's how you get a church at Philippi. People hear the gospel, they get saved, they get baptized, they get organized into a church. Uh, that's the church of Philippi. God has his purposes. Lord, help us to yield to you and your purposes despite the difficulties that we can face along the way. Let's stop there. Father, thank you this morning for Book of Acts and all that we can take from it, Lord, for our instruction. Thank you for the clear teaching. Thank you for the principles uh, that we can take from it. Lord, thank you for the, the reminder that, yep, we're all called to go and share the gospel. Uh, we go in your strength with your leading as we submit to you. Lord, thank you for that. Help us to submit to you. Lord, if we, if we feel like we can't, 
uh, help us, help us to confess that and then to seek your strength. Lord, uh, when we encounter difficulties, opposition, persecution, Lord, help us to seek your grace, your strength, prayerfully uh, to continue forward. Lord, knowing that you work in those trials, you grow our faith and often, as you will with the jailer, you'll reach people for Christ. Lord, thank you again for the privilege to be back in person for the Sunday School Hour. Thank you for uh, each one who has come out this morning. Lord, we're grateful. Thank you, Father. I pray that you work now in the next hour. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you for being here this morning.